This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocky M Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Aaron Dryden. This is Before the Box Score Thanksgiving week. Should be rivalry week. It's not. It's not. Things are weird. Things are different. Um, Aaron, how you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, what about yourself, man? Hanging in there, uh, counting down the days until I get to eat some turkey and mashed potatoes and um, watch some football on the TV. So um, things are good. Things are good in Mizzou land for the most part. I had a really interesting story that I saw right before we jumped on. Uh, Cannon York, the walk-on defensive end, who got the start uh, against South Carolina, was given a scholarship today uh, in, a, in a team meeting, which is pretty cool. Uh, you always like to hear the the walk-on does good kind of story, feel-good story there. And Cannon uh, York seemingly has has earned it. So congratulations, Mr. York. Absolutely, yeah. Congrats to him. And, uh, you know, going from walk-on to scholarship obviously is no easy, easy task, but you know, we've saw him on the depth chart all season in that second spot and kind of wondered, uh, what is this walk-on doing here? Do we have nobody <laughs> else? But obviously he's doing something right. He's doing something right in practice, and he's making an impression, and an impression big enough to where they put him on scholarship. So congrats to him. Uh, good for him, man. Nothing yeah. else to say, man. Yeah, that's it, man. Hope he does well. I hope he enjoys the free school. He certainly earned it, and um, God – we certainly have the scholarships to give away, Aaron, because holy cow. <laughs> so, um, when was it? It was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Monday. 
Um, Dylan Spencer, our one-time starting offensive guard, freshman offensive guard uh, out of Mississippi, decided to hit the transfer portal, (laughs) which uh, makes it 11 dudes that have left the team since Eli Drinkwitz took over in December. Now, Dylan apparently wants to get back closer to home. Understandable. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah, especially, you know, at any time, but certainly during a pandemic. Um, I'm sure Madison, Mississippi is probably a little bit more familiar, and I'm, who knows what's going on with the family. But, um, yeah, the 11th player uh, to to get out of here. And I, I mean, just from, from a – purely from a playing standpoint, Aaron, how big of a loss is the loss of Dylan Spencer? I think it's – pretty substantial just uh just because he's starting you know he's starting right now we talked about how thin they are um on the offensive line and defensive line but offensive line especially and you know it's all about maintaining your scholarship numbers at the position um sec has made a an adjustment to the rule to where you don't have to meet that 53 scholarship number per se but you need to be able to make sure that you have the numbers that are aligned so mm-hmm. Anytime you take out a guy who is starting for you in a pandemic season when your depth is tested, it's, yeah, it's definitely a loss and, you know, some bright spots. And I actually said this, I tweeted this out, but like, you know, it's, it's definitely disappointing that uh, he's gone so quickly. And, you know, that makes two now of those Mississippi guys who Mm -hmm. have left early this season. So yeah, it definitely hurts. Um, we're going to miss him. We wish him the best for sure. Um, but it kind of makes you wish uh, that maybe somebody who was going to be here long term would have gotten the snaps that he's gotten so far this year. Sure. Yeah. Um, but but we move on regardless. Um, <laughs> he He's like I said, he's a talented kid and he can play. And I was really excited to see him uh, progress and see his growth. But it's just not in the cards. And it just kind of brings up a longer standing kind of deal with this transfer portal and kind of what it means um, for not just Mizzou, but college football in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weird season. Obviously the NCAA is allowing players to transfer this year with no penalty of having to sit out. So, you know, if you ever wanted to do it, this would be the year to do it. But even so, even with, COVID, even with a new coaching staff, even with all sorts of things that you got to keep in mind, Missouri has suffered a ton of attrition on their roster. And I don't want to make that sound like a bad thing. Obviously, you, you want kids here who want to be here. And if their heart's somewhere else, then you want to, you know, let them go and, and bring in guys who actually want to be here. But even taking into consideration the rules in COVID, let's let's review real quickly who we've lost since Eli Drinkwitz took over. So back on January 23rd, uh, cornerback Christian Holmes transferred to Oklahoma State. He was probable one the, starter, probable starter, most one the most experienced guy in the secondary at the time. Um, he's gone. Then literally less than a month later, Cam Scott transferred to Houston. He was a wide receiver. That was the first. You're going to notice a trend here. First the receivers transferring out. Then in April 17th, Anthony Watkins hit the transfer portal. Um, that might have been a we need to sneak under the scholarship limit <laughs> uh, imposed by the sanctions kind of move, which wasn't super great, but it's a business in the end. And Anthony was sent packing. Uh, he I don't know if he ended up anywhere, but he was no longer on the team. That was April 17th. 
July 6th, Kamari Thompson transfers from Missouri to Illinois. Another receiver. July 29th, Antar Thompson, who wasn't technically on the team at the time, uh, hit the transfer portal as well. Then we get into the season, and this is where it really hurts, Aaron. And you mentioned this previously. October 6th, Montre Edwards, transfer portal. October 12th, C.J. Boone, receiver, Missouri receiver, transfer portal. October 28th, Aubrey Miller, linebacker, transfer portal. November 18th, Dominic Jacinto, wide receiver, transfer portal. Dylan Spencer on the 23rd, transfer portal. And then on top of that, Maurice Massey being a dum-dum, getting kicked off the team Mm. on October 26th. That's 11 guys who were on this roster in January and are no longer here. And, Aaron, I think the most concerning thing for me is that over half those guys left during the season when they were winning games. What do you make of all this? Uh, Man, I really want to just chalk it up to uh, a bad fit, you know, maybe a bad culture fit for some of these guys. And like you said, in the case of Watkins, he was kind of nudged out the door. But I think it's more fit than anything with some of these guys. And, And, you know, they weren't recruited by by Coach Drink at all. They weren't um, they weren't recruited by him, and so they have no tie to him, and he has no tie to them. So, um, some guys you could kind of see the writing on the wall, and some of them you can't, like uh, with Spencer. But I just it's it's hard for me to make sense of all of these transfers coming in as we're winning games. You know, as you win uh, three out of four. Mm-hmm. so far and and we're losing guys so maybe that is a good thing maybe it's a good thing subtraction by addition but or addition by, by subtraction sorry but <laughs> but uh yeah he's he's drink wits has definitely got his work cut out for him and he's got some scholarships to fill he could he could take a class of 30 right now Oof, we, we could use it yeah we could use it <laughs> no yeah, we absolutely need it. Now, you don't want them all to be freshmen because that would just be suicide for any roster management going forward. But the point is, that's a lot of dudes that he needs to fill in. That's why, you know, nothing against Cannon York, but that's certainly one of the reasons why he got a scholarship today because he, yeah. he got the money to <laughs> hand it out. Um, so currently, where where are we at? Right now, scholarship math tells me that with York on scholarship, they are at 75 right now. You, they can get back to 85 next year so far until the NCAA changes that because everybody gets to stick around. And if every senior left, that would be 19 guys gone. So, yeah, that's a that's a lot of dues that they can fill right now. Um, 29 to be precise, so I guess not 30, but you get the idea. Here is, here's the thing that really kind of sticks out to me, Aaron. You, you mentioned in particular um, these guys weren't recruited by the Drinkwitz staff. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Montre Edwards was committed to Mizzou and to Odom, decommitted after Odom was fired and then salvaged by Drinkwitz on January 8th. Really, Yeah, I guess Dylan Spencer committed in February. So really it was only Spencer who kind of, I guess, was on the radar probably with Ryan Walters and David Gibbs and then stuck around a little bit. But the the process wasn't started under Drinkwitz. So I, I kind of get it from that standpoint, but at the same time, they committed to him. So it makes me feel exactly. like there's things outside of football that are that are driving this, you know? Yeah, and and it very well could be football-related reasons, scheme-related reasons, or it could just be simple as, 
you know, I miss home and I want to find a better opportunity or I want to play closer to home. Um, you know, you commit uh, to a D1 SEC school like Mizzou and you expect to be able to play with fans in the stands and it's a weird <laughs> season yeah. and and you're dealing with all these COVID protocols and it's just a little bit different. So, you know, maybe it just wasn't what they expected when they decided to um, make the commitment. But yeah, it, like like you said, those guys weren't committed to drink. Um, most of them were committed to to Odom and his regime. It just, but it is head scratching at the end of the day because um, to see guys leave during the midst of, of a winning streak, during all this positive momentum, it's definitely a little odd. And it's it's the positions too, because yeah. overwhelmingly they were receivers. And then in the case for Edwards and Spencer, they're on the line. You know, Edwards sticks around one year. He's he could be starting next year. You know, Spencer. Edwards, I mean, Edwards could have gotten snaps probably this year. I would probably. Say. I mean, with all the COVID issues we had in the defensive line, and think about the LSU game where we had three of the top D tackles out. Like that's a game Edwards could have gotten some time in. Absolutely. He it was literally like right before the LSU game when he left. I remember tweeting out like when we found out of. Everyone who was gone, I was like, "Hey, does he want to come back? Like, is that a retractable offer?" Yeah, for... we could we could use him if he wanted to suit up. He could do it. Um, so it's 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 curious. It's really curious. And and overall, when a new coaching staff comes in, I'm mostly cool with guys leaving. Like you said, scheme fit, coach, whatever. Plus, really, the the, the crux of it, and I'm viewing this more from a transactional standpoint, is is just plainly said, I want the new coaching staff to have their guys just flat out. Um, You know, when you have holdovers, uh, you know, Nick Bolton and Larry Trown, Larry Roundtree are rare because they could have very easily just like pouted through this season uh, because their coach got fired and they stuck around and they're balling and, and I love it. So like they're, they're rare. A lot of times you get kids who stick around because they don't feel like they have any other better offers and then they mope and they don't really do anything and just pff, it all falls apart. So, um, I, I don't know. This is a long way of saying that we've lost a lot of dudes. And, like, part of that's good because then we get new guys in. But it's also kind of concerning that uh, nobody wants to play here. But it certainly seems like Drinkwitz has the right mentality because he's like, hey, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Let's help you find a, find a place that you do want to be, which is commendable. Yeah. And, and I will say I saw um, Dave Matter tweet out, how Drinkwitz said he loves Dylan Spencer. Um, he, he thought he was a good kid, and, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out, and, and that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's, got a, he's got a good attitude about it. I, we can definitely confirm that from, from Drinkwitz, which is kind of what we expected anyway. Um, but, yeah, outside of the transfer portal, let's get to some actual good news here. <laughs> the good news mm-hmm. – is that we found out uh, that Realist George Jr., uh, defensive tackle, Juco defensive tackle, <laughs> the dude tweeted out that he was going to commit on Thanksgiving and literally three hours later committed at like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. Um, but, hey, it, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. Uh, George, uh, out of high school, committed to Miami, the U, as a fullback, and he got some he got some snaps there with the Hurricanes. Transferred to uh, the JUCO ranks, uh, Independence Community College. And Dream you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and and so he, he's been playing there and and not really as a fullback anymore. He's he's projected as a defensive tackle. 
And then, as as Aaron and I were talking about before we hit the show, there's really not a lot of tape on the kid that's game film because he was a linebacker and a fullback in high school and then didn't play a whole lot as a defensive tackle in Independence. So your guess is as good as mine, but, yay, we got a new recruit. We got him. Hey, he uh, had some offers from other schools. He had opportunities to play other places, and he decided to choose Missouri, and we're happy to have him. Um, at the very worst, he's a depth piece, and at the best, he could become a solid contributor. So, um, shoot, at this point, can, we, can he play now? <laughs> well, he, we could can certainly use him. God, yeah. 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 Um, we could definitely use some depth. So, uh, in all seriousness, I mean, he looks like a grown man. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a full beard, and he looks like he's put on some weight, and he has since high school. They had him uh, when he committed to Miami at 6'2", 255, and now uh, I saw some reports that he's somewhere around 280, 285, something like that. So yeah, Rivals has him listed at 6'3", 290. 290. That's a, that's a big boy. So he's he's shown that he can put on some weight and uh, and, and make the the adjustment. So I'm gonna defer to Coach Drinkwitz and <laughs> and his staff and what mm-hmm. he sees because I'm not being a, I'm not able to see it at this moment. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Um, he he's a, obviously a high end enough athlete that Miami wanted him, and when he was coming out of high school, he was highly recruited. So. Hopefully that athleticism will translate to uh, D-Tackle. Yeah, and he was previously committed to Old Dominion, so suck it, Monarchs. We win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't we play? Do we play Old Dominion tomorrow in oh, basketball? Do we? Is it? I don't know. Tell me Tell me if that's true, Google. Uh, Yeah, wow, good call. Wow, okay, yeah. Old Dominion, it's on. It's on. <laughs> We're taking your recruits, and we're winning basketball games. That's right. Oh, man. Are you, do you know where Old Dominion is? Not a chance. Nope, it's in Virginia. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. well. Kind of that D.C. So, corridor area. So Okay. Um, Sounds like a nice little school. Yeah, it's, it's so, a nice little area. Yeah. We got the recruit, though. So. Oh, man, no. It's Oral Roberts. Boo. Damn, oh, I thought man. we had something. I saw the O and just like you know didn't freaked pay, out. Pay attention to any context or I anything. Just blacked out. So Oral Roberts, oh blowjob Bob. Anyway, okay, so we got Realist George. We got that in our pocket. We got some good recruiting news. That's always a good thing. Uh, it's always good to build for the future. And yeah, even if he's JUCO pieces, it's kind of what you said. Depth at a bare minimum. That's all you're looking for. But. Um, Sometimes it turns out well. Sometimes you're a Marcel Frazier, you know. Sometimes you're a... Cy Martin. Cy Martin. Well, Cy Martin hasn't done anything, but, um, you know, sometimes it works out. Uh, most of the times you're just kind of a depth piece, kind of like a Walter Palmore, which it, it works, and that's what we need yeah. anyway. So you're, you're, you're paving the way for the younger guys to get in there. So um, that's a lot of roster talk. Any other roster thoughts before we keep going? Uh, just honestly, I just... I, I want more Towski Dove. Like I, I, I feel like <laughs> I just I don't know what to do with my hands, but he's just the best, uh, and I just want everything for him, pretty much. So I do. Anytime, I do like Towski Dove. I can shut him out. Uh, I think he's well, he's still listed as a starter, so we'll probably see more of him, which is good. Um, good. He certainly has earned it. Um, I know that uh, you know you look at the touchdown catch from. 
the South Carolina game. That's probably the best catch we've seen in, what, six years? Probably. A little while. Yeah. yeah. It's been a minute. Nothing against Jamon Moore. Like, he was he was catch the ball and run with it. He wasn't making those types yeah. of uh those types of catches. So it was very impressive and, and I hope we see more and he's he's quietly doing well and I'd like to see Kiki Chisholm keep uh the renaissance going. <laughs> so we'll uh we'll see. But uh as far as roster talk goes, you know, it's all it's all in flux as you get a new coaching staff and any of the death charts are all just suggestions at best because we you never know what's going to happen until you actually trot them out onto the field but um i do want to aaron i do want to get into the vanderbilt preview here but before we do that i mentioned we are in thanksgiving week so we're, we're really really close to the holidays and um once you get through thanksgiving then boom you get all the traditional winter holiday shopping season you know that really starts taking off and I don't know about you, man, but I will admit freely that I am not an easy person to buy gifts for. You can ask my wife, you can ask my 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 parents, you can ask my in-laws. Toughest guy to buy stuff for, uh, mostly because if I wanted it, I already got it. And most things that I want are, you know, experiences, food, clothing, stuff like that. So, I don't know. Do you ever run into this problem where people are like I never know what to get you? All the time, yeah, <laughs> all the time. Never know what to get. I feel like I'm horrible at it. Um, definitely an issue to address. Yeah. Well, you know, since I. You know, I grew up in Columbia, went to school at Mizzou. Now I write and podcast about them all the time. But if I if I get something, most of it is Mizzou themed. Which guess what? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good guess. I'll take pretty much anything you can get. But once you've gotten one piece of Mizzou clothing, you've pretty much exhausted the variety of designs that you're <laughs> going to get. You know, you're going to get the Block M or the Oval Tiger or whatever. So. You know, basically, if, if anyone asks me, hey, what, what can I get you something, you know, for the holidays, birthdays, whatever, I just send them to Home Field Apparel, you know, because, like, they're able to dig through Mizzou's archives and they, like, create these unique, you know, thoughtful designs and prints. And I don't know what, what they make the stuff out of, but it's, like, it's a little slice of heaven. They got the heaviest, uh, the, the, the most comfiest hoodies I've ever worn in my life. The tees are, like, that worn out, uh, nice, soft uh, soft feeling tea that you'll ever own, you know, and, and this is, you know, this is coming from experience. Cause I, you know, right now I am wearing my charcoal hoodie that I got from home field with the retro tiger growling through that skinny M and dude. Ooh. Yeah. I, I think it might be the most favorite piece of clothing. I own Cause I wear it Sounds all the time. Comfy. Oh, it Sounds is like man. A it's a little slice of heaven. It's comfy. It's unique because you know, let's face it. You know, I, the other seven block M shirts and, and hats that I have get a little worn out. So guys, you know, w- whether you're shopping for your favorite Mizzou fan or you're shopping for yourself, I'd say get a unique, comfortable Mizzou item, go to home field and peril. In fact, we want you to go so bad that right now that for this entire weekend, you can get 30% off your entire order. If you put it in the code BF rock M at checkout. 30% off the entire thing. B as in Bravo, F as in Foxtrot, Rock M at checkout. 30% off, whole order. Uh, get something for your family, get something for yourself, whatever you want to do. But go to homefieldabarrel.com, find the unique design that you want to get, save 30% on your entire order when you enter the code BF Rock M at checkout. Do it. Aaron, let's talk some Vanderbilt. Um, they are bad. And that is a scientific term that I use to describe their football team, which has been ravaged by injuries and COVID. Um, what do you know about the Commodores for the year 2020? 
I know uh, that the Commodores are starting a freshman quarterback. I know that Derek Mason is still their coach. And I know that they are still a bottom-of-the-barrel SEC team. At this point, that's all I know. I would not subject myself on a Saturday to a full-length <laughs> Vanderbilt game. Um, nothing personal. Yeah. Very smart dudes. Um, but, yeah, just not not itching to, to get out there for, for a Vandy game. So, yeah. And maybe, and maybe I should put some respect on their name considering what happened last year. But it's just kind of hard to when I see some of these box scores. It's not great. Well – I think you nailed it on the head because we went into this game last year with no no respect for them, and they beat us. I mean, I, I remember yeah. writing my preview last year, and I was like, okay, I got to put something in there. <laughs> like, There are ways that they can beat us, and I talked about the lines, which were older, seasoned, and like not good, but experienced, um, and I talked about the uncertainty at quarterback, and what do you know? The Lions dominated the Tigers, and an unknown quarterback was able to do enough to uh, to win the game. So, you know, that was a – let's call it a bad Tiger team <laughs> with a bad offense and a really good defense and Barry Odom as the coach uh, against a really bad Vanderbilt team. And now we get a bad Missouri team with a bad offense and a really good defense – against a terrible Vanderbilt team who somehow got worse between 2019 and 2020, but now we got Drinkwitz on the sideline. How much of a difference is that to you in your mind? I think it's a big difference, especially offensively. Um, I trust Drinkwitz to, especially against an inferior opponent like this. We haven't really seen him in a game this year where Missouri is an overwhelming favorite like they will be in this one. But I trust him to figure it out offensively, um, to to put enough points on the board. Um, that that's pretty much the difference to me is the offense from Barry to to drink and and honestly, Barry's uh, was probably is probably not the head coach anymore because we lost this game because oh, we totally. couldn't make those adjustments. So. Yep. Um, I got to believe that this team, the guys who were here from last year, I got to believe that they don't want to go out to Vanderbilt twice in a row. I got to believe that. <laughs> I got to yeah. believe that they don't want that stain. I got to believe that those guys are going to be ready to play. Um, I, you can't lose this game. This game, you can't <laughs> lose it. This game shouldn't be close. Um I just mm-hmm. there are no other words to to make people understand. So this is a this is a guarantee. This is a win you have to get. Yeah, I mean Missouri is a fifteen and a half point favorite as a as last time I checked. I even as the numbers guy, I understand that SP plus is not the end all be all. It's a predictor. It's not a ironclad prediction kind of sort of thing. Like oh well, this is for sure going to happen, but. Vanderbilt is the 119th best team in the country. You know, there's only like 130 teams playing, right? Mm. Offense mm. is 121st, defense is 108th. So you're like, okay, well, that's a cakewalk, right? Well, hold on. Missouri is 77th. Not super great overall. Their defense is 33rd, so it should impose its will on Vanderbilt's offense. Missouri's offense, though, is 105th. 105th in the country. Going up against 108th defense, that should be a pretty even matchup as far as SP plus sees. Okay, 
Here's the other thing that I want to point out, and this is less, you know, advanced, and just simply look at the scores. Yes, Vanderbilt got pummeled by uh, by LSU and South Carolina, which they shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I understand it was at the beginning <laughs> of the year, but LSU and South Carolina, they ain't any good. Um, they took Texas A&M to the limit, which uh, as of an hour and 40 minutes ago is the number five team in the country, according to the college football playoff. But here's where it really gets interesting. Yeah, Ole Miss boat raced in 54-21. Mississippi State, they lost 24-17. Kentucky, they lost 38-35. Florida, they actually hung with them. They lost 38-17, but it was a lot closer than that. What I'm saying is that Vanderbilt's getting their stuff together. And it's powered by their freshman quarterback, Ken Seals. Aaron, if I told you that Ken Seals completes 67% of his passes, would you believe me? Yeah, I would believe you. Okay, good, because that's true. Yeah, Yeah, I would believe that. Now, if I told you that on average the passes that he throws are in the air for seven yards – which is 113th yes, in the nation. Ooh, I believe that. <laughs> Ooh, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's seven yards per pass in the air. So everything is really, 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 really short. They hmm. like to just dink and duck. They like an efficiency-based passing game to matriculate down the field slowly and hope that at some point receiver breaks one, shakes a tackle, does a little something, does a little move, and then goes for it. That's all they got. Because their passing game is pretty good, 54th. But their rushing game, 107th. On standard downs, like first and 10, second and five, third and short, 96th in the country. (laughs) On passing downs, when you got to throw it, they're actually 68th. So it is actually better to keep them in your yards-to-go situations because they're only really able to move the ball when they absolutely have to pass it, which uh, seems a little counterintuitive, don't you think? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be really interesting. Seven yards attempt. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not even seven yards attempt. The ball is going seven yards in the air. Oh like, like, if you look at their receivers, uh, who's their leading receiver? Cam Johnson's their leading receiver. So his yards per target is 8.3. So let's let's do something a little bit better. Yards per catch, 10.2. Um, Chris Pierce is their second leading receiver. His average yards per catch, 15. Amir Abdul-Rahim. Yards per catch, 13. Ben Bresnahan, average yards per catch, 10.9. So, you know, it's like any other receiver. It's just it's on them to make a kind of shake and bake and make yards after the catch, which is not really a recipe against the secondary, don't you think? No. No, I don't think so. And it's you're going to have trouble trying to shake free and, and bust long plays when you have Nick Bolton running around the field trying to wreck things for you. So, um, I would say if that if the, that's what they'd like to do, then I'd say good luck. And, <laughs> and if they beat us that way, then I tip my cap to them and uh, I move on. But yeah. they shouldn't. They they really shouldn't. Um, so like you said, they're starting a true freshman. Um, I'm gonna do a little bit of a look into him on on some film this week. But from the the little stuff that I've seen, like he's he's like any true freshman. He's gonna make mistakes. He's gonna throw you the ball, um, and he has trouble reading coverage. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much every most freshman quarterbacks at least. So um, he's not getting helped out by uh, any of his 
receivers or, or his O-line for that matter. But there, I think Ken Seals is a talented kid. And I, I there's definitely a world where he comes in and throws the ball all over the yard and, <laughs> and runs around a little bit. There's a world where that happens. So um, I can't deny that. I can't just assume a victory, especially not after last year. But, but man, we got to win this game. If Ken Seals starts running for like 50 yards, I will eat my hat and we will probably lose. So far, non-sack rushes, Ken Seals has 16 rushes for 25 yards. That is 1.5 per carry. Uh, he gets stuffed at the line about a quarter of the time. Oh, my good God. <laughs> um, uh, uh. He's, he's not going to be up. But here's the big news, and I, just, I saw this from the Vanderbilt beat writers earlier today. Ke- uh, Keon Brooks, who is their leading rusher, he's been out for the past couple games. He is back. He is their leading rusher with 374 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Javion Marlowe was his backup, who's been kind of taken off in the past two games. Uh, 46 rushes, 186 yards. So this will be the first time that Vanderbilt has, has both of those guys back. And they're getting some some receivers back from uh, from contact tracing as well. So this is actually going to be uh, the most complete Vanderbilt has been since like week one <laughs> uh, when they scared the hell out of Texas A&M. And Missouri is not a hundred percent guys. Like <laughs> they're just no. not. So I, I, Aaron, I'm snake bit. I'm scared. Like I just now until it's done, I, I just don't ever, I can't see Missouri just rolling in and winning the game. You got to trust and drink. You got to trust in the fact that it's at home. But I mean, you were there, man. You saw the second half. Missouri's that offense was, couldn't do anything. Yeah, that was, that was something that, that was something. And, and I'll say, Drink came out and said in his Zoom today. He said I was way too conservative and yeah. said that that was that was his fault. And and he's not wrong. But uh, <laughs> being self aware, I, I love that. That's yeah. probably my favorite trait of his so far. This it's season. refreshing, the, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know mistakes happen. You know, there's as a head coach, you're controlling a lot of stuff and have a lot of levers to pull, but. You know, it means something, at least to me as a fan, when you're willing to come out and say, hey, yeah, I messed it up. I, maybe I, I would like to do something different uh, this time around. So I'm not willing to – it's not like that's been like an overwhelming trait or anything uh, over the course of the season, but can't have that again. Uh, have yeah. to put your foot on, on people's throats and finish mm-hmm. games. That's that's going to be how this program keeps pushing to the next level. we got to finish. Mm-hmm. And you can't keep putting your defense in positions where they have to get a stop. They have to get a turnover. You know, there's exactly. at some point you need to you need to score some points. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that's really stuck out to me as far as the 2020 Tigers go. Like, let's let's throw away the LSU game, okay? <laughs> not, not everyone is lucky to play a Bo Pelini defense in 2020. So let let's throw that one out. Every other game Missouri has been in, they've had five opportunities to score. And that's just you got the ball within the opponent's 40-yard line. Just five times per game. Literally every game except LSU. Now, what have they done with those five opportunities? Well, Aaron, not a hell of a whole lot. They're basically averaging 17 points per game outside of the LSU game. So what you're telling me, stats, is that Missouri's got five shots at scoring and they're going to, you know, 
what is that, 3.4 points per trip? Okay, well, just so you know, Vanderbilt on the year is averaging 16 points per game. However, if you look at their last four games when they've started putting it together, they're averaging 22 points per game. Now, on the flip side, Missouri opponents are averaging 29 points per game, but if you take out the Blue Blood programs, Missouri opponents are averaging 18 points a game. So if you can average that out unscientifically, let's just say Vanderbilt scores 21. That means Missouri's got five chances to score 24 points, so they're going to need to score 4.8 points per opportunity, which would be the most that they've had since the LSU game. Do you think that's something that they can do against this defense? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, Mizzou should be able to score the football. Um, I don't I don't think necessarily just because uh, Vanderbilt's playing a little bit better means that we should. And I also think that uh, some of those stats are probably a little bit skewed, um, especially on defense from from the Florida game. So sure, I think I think that uh, yeah, definitely we, we should be able to score the ball. Um, they should be able to run on this team. This is a Larry Roundtree day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 he should be touching the ball all the time, and I'm sure he will. Because like you said, they are in the bottom 100 after plus like something like that. Oh god, they're like the bottom S&P. 10. <laughs> like yeah, bottom, that's, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, so I, I would expect. I'm sure Drink sees that, and I'm, I'm sure they're getting those guys primed to run all over them. But yeah. they they should be able to score points, and if they don't, it'll be disappointing. And and I think that Vanderbilt is an SEC level team, and we got to give them credit for it. But at the same time, Missouri is better than them. And I believe Missouri is a better coach than them. And if those things hold up, then they should win. But I don't know which team we're going to see. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if yeah. we get the second half play calling of Drinkowitz and we get maybe like a second half version of Florida, then, mm. yeah, bad yeah. things could happen. Jeez. Um, you know, something that's going to help is that Dimitri Moore – uh, Vanderbilt's, I think it was an all SEC performer a couple of years ago. He has opted out. He opted out after last week's game. Now he has not been the Dimitri Moore of the past two seasons this year by, by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he is not, he's not part of it anymore. So that'll help a little bit. Um, I would like to see a lot of Larry Roundtree. I also want to keep seeing the, the Tyler Beatty usage, you know, yes. get it, get him out, yes. catch the ball, wheel routes, put him in the slot. I like that sort of thing. I think, I think that's Texas the key. Texas routes. Yes. Yes. Love Texas routes. Getting Beatty involved in multiple ways. I feel like is the catalyst uh, for, for a good drink offense performance, let alone a Jalen Knox. Knox was very quiet last, uh, last game. So I expect Beatty and Knox to get a lot more activity this week. That's a yeah. That's a good point. Knox, I think, has some speed that could give this Vanderbilt defense problems. And when he's been utilized right, and when he's been on his game and make and been consistent, he's been a handful for defenses. Mm-hmm. So I think they, you know, it, it'll probably be a priority get him going. A couple jet sweeps, stuff like that. Um, utilizing him as not just a receiver but a runner too just manufacture touches for your guys that that's what i'm looking forward to the most maybe maybe you know the answer to this question because i'm not an x's and o's guy i'm going to try to explain this play as best as i can in this obviously visual medium that is known as podcasting and and i hope that i do a Mm -hmm. good enough job so 
Aaron, when they when they're set up in the pistol, and Jalen Knox or whoever's in the slot starts running from either the left or the right side to the opposite side. So let's say the the short side of the field is where Knox is lined up, and then he runs to the far side of the field in that motion. And they snap the ball right when he's next to Bazelak. They fake the sweep, the jet sweep, and he keeps running to the sideline. And then they sometimes throw that quick flare. Is there a name for that pass that I'm missing? By well, by quick flare, what do you mean? Like the shovel pass? Um, so it's, they fake – he's coming across the sweep. They fake hand it off. Bazelak holds on to it. Knox keeps that uh, – what am I thinking? That horizontal movement. Basically, he just runs to the okay. sideline and then looks back. Uh, he ran it, Macklin ran it, and Beatty ran it last week where it's just like fake the handoff and then it's like a dump-off pass behind the line, but he's already got momentum. Either of those guys already have momentum towards the sideline. He catches the ball and all he has to do is just turn up for five or six yards at a time. Yeah, I don't know if there's uh, actually a technical name for it, um, but I've seen them run that concept that you're talking about. They do a lot of variations of that jet sweep, and honestly, that's their bread and butter. So um, that shovel pass, basically, not even a shovel pass, but that horizontal pass when he's got his momentum moving forward, it's pretty much just like a designed extended run. Um, just trying to get their guy in space uh, quick and trying to have the defense react. Um, I don't know if it has a ne- like a technical name for it. Yeah, but that's at least what the um, what the objective is. I just you know watching the game against South Carolina, both the I believe both touchdown drives and then the field goal drive featured that play on mm-hmm. a second down or a third down, just to either move the chains or at least get a little bit closer. And I'm like that. I, that's something that can work. Vanderbilt has yeah. SEC speed, yes, but just moving the guys out in space, getting them on the sidelines, and just kind of not breaking a big one. You can if you want, but just getting that movement, getting that speed going, I feel like it's going to be the way to just open everything up and let Larry feast uh, on a defensive line that's willing to be moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think anything that stretches them out is is going to be advantageous for Larry and. Definitely those jet sweeps, I would expect us to see a bunch of those. They've kind of, um, the past, they've used it in the past couple of weeks, but um, they've used it more, uh, the jet sweep off of the orbit motion and mm-hmm. done a couple different things with that. So I would expect they get back to kind of the traditional jet sweep. And if you um, saw kind of what some of the stuff they did against LSU, um, just running off of that. So mm-hmm. using that jet sweep to at least make them account for, for Jalen Knox or Tyler Beatty in motion and then ramming up the middle down the holes um, with Roundtree. So definitely would expect a bunch of jet sweep. Um, definitely would expect a bunch of um, Roundtree and Beatty off of those jet sweeps. Mm-hmm. So like I said, uh, right now Missouri is a 15.5-point favorite. Personally, I don't think Missouri has any business being that big of a favorite this year, but that's where we're at. So just as a prediction, uh, score prediction, and uh, does Missouri cover? Mm. You said 16? 15 and a half, technically. 15 and a half? I'll give it to them. I, you know, why not? I think that uh, <laughs> this team, this team has made a couple key steps uh, throughout the season. 
I think that Kentucky win was a step. I mm-hmm. think this South Carolina win was a step. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that those steps are maybe not very important to people outside of the program, but to us, winning these games that you should win, you know, and handling your business. And I think this will be a game where they handle their business. It's going to be uh, a slow grinded out game for, for Vanderbilt. And I think that Missouri does cover. So yeah, I'll say, um, 42, 20, 21, Whoa, 42, 21. 42, 21. Wow. That'd be the I most think, points since LSU. We, uh, I think they're due. I think they're due, and they've done some really nice things um, mm-hmm. on offense. And I think it's just a combination of them putting it all together, them getting a couple more guys back, um, and, and hopefully uh, them just running the ball where they should. I think that's that's their recipe. And, and mm-hmm. when I get to the three and out later this week, expect to see Larry Roundtree in there. I don't want to step on it too much, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, Larry Roundtree is going to be in there. He's going to need to have a Kentucky-like performance for uh, my prediction to be correct. And um, like I said, combined with a, with what they've been doing and then combined with the step down and opponent opponent, Mm -hmm. I think they should cover. I think they should score some points. I think it should be a fun day. I think we'll all eat Turkey (laughs) um, and we'll be loosening our belts by two or three o'clock falling asleep because the game's over. I like it. I like it. I am not nearly as confident as you as far as points scored. Um, the the main takeaway is, is you cannot lose this game, Eli, just no. flat out. It's at home. I know that everything is wonky with roster and depth and all that sort of stuff. If you really want to solidify that this is not last year, you got to beat Vanderbilt. you got to. You have to beat Vanderbilt. It wipes away everything you've done. All yep. the goodwill mm-hmm. that you've had throughout this year is – immediately gone if you lose to Derek Mason in Vanderbilt. Yeah, which is not this fair, should... but that's the, no. that's the game. That's the game. Yes. I, I expect uh, I expect them to take care of their business. It was a close game last year, and um, Vanderbilt was probably a better team. So I just expect that they should take care of business. This team mm-hmm. is – Vanderbilt's okay, I guess, by, by lower-level team standards, but – Missouri should strive to be better than that and should win this game. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say 24-14. Um, that means Missouri wins and they don't cover, and that's fine. That is fine by me. I would be okay with that as well, but just win the game, you know? Yeah, just win. One point, 30 points, doesn't matter. Just win. Just just win, baby. Just win, baby. That's right. All right, so we did the football thing. It's, it's Thanksgiving. I've mentioned it a couple times. Let's get to the good stuff. Aaron, I need your power ranking of Thanksgiving foods. It's a very important conversation to have at this time of year. I okay. got to know your top five power ranking Thanksgiving foods. Let me hear it. Okay. Coming in at five. I've thought about this all day. Coming in at five. Uh, the worst one, green bean casserole. <laughs> Get it away from my plate. It's usually not good. Uh. I'm more. I'm a big guy, so I need the protein. I need the carbohydrates to save the green beans for Granny because I don't need them. Um, coming in at number four, I'm gonna go stuffing. Okay. You know, stuffing is kind of like mm, how who would I compare it to? Maybe like a South Carolina oh, of the SEC. Kind of like mm, they're they're there. You know, they're they're there. They're they're I guess competent. A plate filler. You know. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, the disrespect. Stuffing is stuffing is stuffing. I mean, it is what it is. Oh, coming okay. in at number three. Uh huh. Mashed potatoes. Yeah. Okay. This is the hallmark of any good plate. You're mm-hmm. gonna need a nice, full helping mashed potatoes, not instant. Please do not eat instant mashed potatoes. That should be a felony. Um, make sure they have butter, you know, season them. Mm-hmm. If you need to get some sour cream in there, I'm not I'm not objective okay. to that either. Yeah. So all good things. Um, coming in at number two, I'm going to go with mac and cheese. Okay. You're a mac and cheese guy. I like it. I am. So I actually was talking to my coworkers about this and... A lot of people don't do mac and cheese at their Thanksgiving. I didn't know that. I am one of those people. Yeah. Okay. I've had mac and cheese at every Thanksgiving since I was a baby. <laughs> Cannot remember one without it. Uh-huh. Need it. Preferably baked, but any kind. Noodles, cheese. I need it. Okay. I need it. <laughs> and lastly, number one, coming in at the top spot, who else but turkey? Oh, wow. Turkey's got to take the top spot. Um, I had a lot of deliberations. I did not want to over uh, overload it with meat, this top five. Mm-hmm. Ham, it was considered, but at the end of the day, it's turkey. And, um, you know, not not the white meat. I'm good. I was going to say white or give, dark. Let me hear it. No, no. Give me a turkey leg. I'm going to pour some gravy over it um, and, and eat like a Viking. Uh, so give me turkey to round out my top five and um yeah like i said green bean casserole bottom five gotcha don't eat it save yourself you can do better (laughs) all right i am i am going to thoroughly disappoint you with my choices here okay oh no because i was i was running the gamut of everything that i've ever had you know we're talking Obviously, the turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, but like green bean casserole, like you said, mac and cheese, yams or sweet potatoes or however you call it from where you are. I'm oh, taking okay. everything in, and I'm going, what? I need five things to eat. What do I have to put in there? These are my top five power rankings for, for Thanksgiving food. So we start off with number five. Number five, the lowest of my of, of the things that I want, dark meat turkey. Okay? Oh. Not the, oh. White, not the white meat. We're on that. We're on that got to be dark but turkey is is there as a figurehead right that's that's what's supposed to start this whole thing so i will give it its respect i gotta have turkey on my thanksgiving is it my favorite part absolutely not is it usually drizzled in gravy you betcha it's mostly a, a gravy vehicle at this point but i gotta have it so that is my number five dark meat turkey number four the rolls man you gotta have Ooh, a solid okay. roll. Now I have one question. Yes. What kind of roll? Kings Hawaiian. Okay, now we're talking. We're in business. <laughs> if I, I have a theory, Kings Hawaiian would probably go broke if it weren't for Thanksgiving time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. See, the the thing I respect about the Kings Hawaiian roll is that it is the Nick Bolton of the Thanksgiving mm. food. It cleans up Ooh, everything. Okay. It cleans up right. everything. You got you got some stuffy on the side, King's Hawaiian roll. You got some gravy that you didn't mop up, King's Hawaiian roll. You got some stuffing over there, King's Hawaiian roll. Just it cleans up everything and goes with everything and just makes it. Mm. And the best part is that those rolls turn into mother 
forking Thanksgiving sandwiches for the rest of the week. Bazow. Underrated. Yes. Very underrated. Um, I, I'm honestly disappointed I didn't put Hawaiian rolls in there. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Honorable mention. Honorable mentions. So that's my number four. That's my number four. My number three, I'm right there with you. The mashed potatoes. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how you prepare them. I will even give a nod to the instant if you're, you know, some single guy or divorced dad who's like not feeling it, but like really wants his MP fix. Fine. Oh gosh, if if that's the case, I, any single dads out there, any guys who are sad, if you need something, I will make you regular <laughs> mashed potatoes. If, you can if add him at iAirDrive for your requests, and he will deliver them as well. I'm assuming, right? Send me send me an address and I'll get the shipping. <laughs> but yes, mashed potatoes is is like a good offensive line, right? That's that's gonna provide the base for everything. If you got a solid mashed potato, you know that the rest of the meal is gonna be good. It's something that's really hard to mess up, right? So it's not you know mm-hmm. it's not gonna wow you, but there are things you can do that make it stand out. And when you do things that make mashed potatoes stand out, the rest of the meal just falls just perfectly in line with that so the mashed mm-hmm. potato is the catalyst <clears throat> and i do like that sour cream thing that's that's pretty good too so mashed potatoes number three number two the gravy okay the all right gravy, gravy it tray. is what do i want to call it as i don't know it's uh it's a, it's like the quarterback right it's the distributor is okay. it how's your turkey a little dry gravy How's your mashed potatoes? Uh, needs a little bit more moisture? The gravy, right? Goes on the stuffing. It can go on the yams or the sweet potatoes. I know, maybe I'm crazy. Sweet, or, you know, savory and salty. Like, come on. But you can you can put it on any aspect of the meal. It just distributes flavor. That's all the gravy is. And like Love I said, it, it pairs with the roll. You got a little bit left over. That roll comes in. Boom. Nick Bolton and quarterback just having a good time, right? This is This is awesome. <laughs> So gravy is my number two by far, and it's another one of those indicators like, okay, we're, we're having a good meal if we got some good gravy. And then this is where you're going to stop talking to me because my number one's the stuffing. Oh, God. You like <laughs> South Carolina? <laughs> no, I like Tyler Beatty. Tyler Beatty okay. does a little bit of everything. He runs the ball. He passes for text. He catches the ball. What does stuffing do? Stuffing goes in the turkey, just enhances the flavor. Stuffing can go with the gravy. Boom. Quarterback, running back, and it all goes together. Stuffing with the rolls, stuffing with mashed potatoes, stuffing with the turkey. It does everything. I like utility in my foods. I think you can definitely tell that from the five that I picked here. And if you don't have if you don't have stuffing, it's not a complete Thanksgiving in my mind. And shout out to my mom who makes the best stuffing in the world. Um, that probably biases me to a crazy extent, but <laughs> that's how I grew up, so that's what I gotta have. So again, my top five, dark meat turkey five. The rolls at number four, mashed potatoes number three, gravy number two, stuffing number one. What was your, what was your top five? Green bean casseroles five. Is that right? Green bean casseroles five. I thought we were just doing you know what you dislike the most is your fifth. Um, That's fair. But yeah, uh, yeah. Green bean casserole five. Um, I believe stuffing was four. Mashed potatoes was three. Mm-hmm. Mac and cheese at two. Mm-hmm. Dark meat turkey at one. Hell yeah. Gotta have the dark so, meat. I'm uh yeah I'm I'm really looking at you a little differently with your number one. Um, it's okay. Wow. I know. South Carolina, you Colin Hill stand. <sighs> Maybe I am. I don't know. Colin Hill, Colin Hill has great hair, just tremendous. He hair. does. Yeah. 
He does. I'll give him that. <laughs> but yeah, now I'm hungry, and Thanksgiving is still two days away, but that's okay. Uh, we're getting there ever so slowly. Uh, Aaron, any last thoughts before we let the good people go? Um, Got to beat Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, Larry Roundtree game, if you uh, are a degenerate like I am, do DFS. Uh, <laughs> I would lock Larry Roundtree in your lineups. Yeah. And then also, I just, you know, hope everybody has a good Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Um, and, and try to stay upbeat. Watch some football. Yeah. Be happy. Yeah. Well said. So that's our show for today. Uh, as always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us because we love all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. You can give your mashed potato delivery request to Aaron at iAirDry. Uh, and, of course, you can follow the Rockin' flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, MIZ. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.